In this episode, I'd like to introduce you to Mark Cordon, a positive psychology coach, co-founder of The Joy Revolution, and author of the book Beyond Resilient, The Coach's Guide to Aesthetic Growth. He specializes in transitions, leadership, performance, and well-being, helping people break through to the next level to find their greater enjoyment and purpose in their lives. With a focus on misfit entrepreneurs and leaders who march to the beat of their own drum, Mark's coaching empowers people to claim their own joy as they make a difference for others. He has appeared on national television and radio shows and has delivered two TEDx talks on positive psychology and social justice. It is my pleasure to have this conversation with Mark and share it with you all around Joy Revolution. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode with Coach Kathy. Today I'm so pleased to have my friend, my colleague, someone that I actually look up to. He does inspire me a lot when I listen to his words, when uh, he talks, it, it just touches the heart and the soul and the feels and all that good stuff. So with me today is Mark Cordon. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hey, Kathy. That was super nice. Super cool. Thank you. Of course. I so, need you to introduce me like that every single time, whenever I like walk into a room. <laughs> I can do that. No problem. <laughs> So Mark, it was important for me to get you on this show for a few reasons. First, I love your energy and your your personality and attitude. Yeah. And and second, your message. Your message resonates with me so much on so many levels. And it's about joy and yeah. the revolution of joy. I mean, what? So let's talk <laughs> about that, Mark, a little bit. Can you give us a little bit of a brief history on Mark. Who the heck are you? What you doing here? Oh, yeah. And you want this to be a 20-minute segment, eh? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Quick. Well, well, so, so my parents, now I'm nervous. Yeah, I got <laughs> so <anything>. my parents, <laughs> parents came here from the Philippines and, you know, both of them started from nothing, became pretty well known in this small Florida town that we're in right outside of, of Tampa. And uh, pretty much the messages I, I received growing up were ones of you always show face, you never show your temper outside the house, be afraid of God, <laughs> and you're going to be a doctor like us, right? And so for the longest time, I felt like I was a black sheep because I was like, I don't think I want to. I don't think I want to. I want to be Michael Jackson, you know? And as I went into college, you know, there, there was there were all these opportunities that I wasn't aware of because I was so tunnel visioned on making my parents happy. So for example, in, in, in this desk right here, I still have it. I have my first paper that I wrote in college. It's the only paper I wrote in college. I never finished another paper in college, grad school, or even my PhD program. I never finished. And he wrote on it, Mark, you're, you have a talent for words. You should consider writing on a regular basis. But I found it too anxiety. I find found it, it made me anxious, you know? And, and same with public speaking. 
public speaking. Oh gosh, like anxious. I, I wanted to tear up my speech and usually I would tear up my speech. And the reason I do it is so I could reject myself before the audience rejected me, right? Wow. I started to get into the Filipino community and doing some activism work there because I think for the, the majority of my life, like you, I felt like a kind of an outsider. Like what, what's different? Why am I different from everybody else? And, and so I thought the big, the big reason was ostensibly my Asian heritage, my Filipinoness. You, yeah. I, you look in the mirror and I don't look like anybody else. I'd like to think that if you were listening to this podcast, you couldn't tell the race that's speaking right now, but it didn't matter to me. What mattered was I didn't look like everybody else. And, you know, I was a really, really angry Asian. You know, I, I, was, I was militant. I wanted Asians to sit with Asians. I wanted Asian American studies and if you didn't give it to us we would protest and we'd do all this sh shit at an early age I, I was uh uh like a speaker that toured the country and I, I actually anyone who's in college this is the way you can hack the system i said i was an awesome speaker and i my speaking fee was five thousand dollars and usually colleges wouldn't hire me because they're like who is this guy but I'd say to the I'd say to the uh, the groups, if you pull me in, I'll give you two thousand back. <laughs> and so I got booked like crazy. <laughs> and I also, I mean, I also felt like it was my way of giving back to to the Filipinos. They're gonna spend five thousand on something. They might as well ha have two two thousand to do something with. Going into medicine again was was very difficult for me. I, I, I'm I now live in the house that I grew up in. We're recording from the house I grew up in, and there's still an oil stain in our in our dining room. Or you know that room in your house that you only like have it during holidays and when guests are over. You you don't yeah. really use that. So it, it, we call it uh, you know we we call it our our sala. And uh, I sat my parents down and I said I'm not going to be a doctor i'm actually joining a band and uh they threw a fish at me and so there's still like oil from that fish that like that poor poor grouper uh got wasted over that but i ended up joining a band and when i was in a band again i still felt like an outsider we were either, either the cultural act or you know you'd think that i'd go all hedonic and get crazy and, and go sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And I actually got very disciplined because I didn't have formal training. And so if I smoked, my throat would be off. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, also I was very like, I guess I was so insecure that like, uh, if someone bought me a drink afterwards and like, you know, wanted to go to the room, like I'd, I'd be mad about it. I'd, I'd be like, you, you didn't see me like, you didn't see me as a sexy guy when I walked in. You only saw me as that when I was on stage. Like, get out of my face, right? So I went from, I went from music into higher education back to where I was doing multicultural work. And that's where, you know, you know that speech that you, we were talking about in the pre-show, that speech came about. I thought if you were to do multicultural work or if it needed to be us, versus them 
and we needed to be the angry ones. And if you weren't angry, then you weren't a part of the movement. Mm -hmm. you're, 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 you're a sheep. You're weak. You need to speak up for what you want, and then you need to take it, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was really my thoughts on things. And then I found positive psychology and it changed my way of thinking altogether. It, instead of us versus them, we can both sit at the table and agree that we are going to disagree. But more importantly, we are going to listen to what the other person has to say. And maybe we can come to some sort of uh, agreement on some things, but we don't have to we don't have to like turn this into a big hullabaloo uh, and be, say it's us versus them. Technically speaking, we could like have anybody versus anybody else, you know? So when, when I started to, to come around with positive psychology, I started to think about social justice from the lens of how can we do social justice through joy? And one of the ways that we can do it is joy, meaning this place of being, I don't want to say content, but you're cool in where, where you are and who you are. That's kind of like the joy I'm talking about. It's mm -hmm. not like the shits and giggles, hedonistic joy. It, it's just kind of like, like what uh, Aristotle talked about, the good life. He called it eudaimonia, good daemon. You're, you're, you're living the good life. And uh, that, felt, that felt really good, too. And I, and I went into uh, grad school not having ever written a, a paper, remember? <laughs> yeah. I went, I went into my PhD program. And uh, again, I was cool with race now. I was cool with uh, a whole bunch of other things, but I still felt different. Like, I saw the way that my classmates could, like, crank out papers mm -hmm. like they were nothing. And I was like, what the fuck? Why can't I do that? And the only way I could do papers is to like write them in metaphors or I'd have to make it so exciting that the, like I'd be writing about video games for a law class. And then at the end I'd say, and that's why the world of Warcraft relates to our civic engagement, right? But like, and then my teacher would be like, oh, that's brilliant. And, but the thing is, I, I didn't know shit about law because like, I didn't really read it. It was hard to read. It was hard to pay attention. I felt all this pressure. I, I was then living with my partner at the time, and which is great, but there's also this pressure of space. You know, when you're living with someone, you want your space. And as much of a positive psychologist as I was, I was pissed. I was still pissed. Like, like what, like the questions going through my head were like, when is it going to be my time? why am I different from everybody? Why is it so much easier for people to do this? Like, it takes me like, I, like literally in, 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 in uh, my PhD program, I took a recorder to class. I listened to it in class and then I played it back on the drive home because it was an hour and a half drive home. And then on the drive back the next week, I played it again to try to get all the information and to understand it and stuff like that. And I still didn't know. Yeah. It's, it just, it was like, it didn't stick with me. And I'm seeing people in, in my class, like, it's just, mm, they get it, they get it, they get it. And so I started to, to talk to doctors. What the hell's going on with me?
you know, counselor said, well, it's this Asian, Asian American identity struggle you're going through. It's you're a typical case study, right? Another person was like uh, bipolar, mood disorder. Another person, depression. Another person, anxiety. Another person uh, said it was sleep apnea. Another person said uh, it was ADHD. And uh, all the while, like, like I'm getting pills and things and I'm getting fat and skinny and, (laughs) you know, like all this shit's happening to me and I don't even feel like myself anymore. Like I I felt as if, what is that? A, a, you know, those things like a, a jar of water was on top of my head at times. And like when people were speaking to me, it was just like nothing was going through. But then like when I would sit down and jam out with my friends, I could get into flow for like four hours with them. Mm-hmm. And so in many ways, you know, I, I, I think I was on Vivance for a while and I stopped. And what I started pursuing and I, I you know, I, I, I technically have ADHD, but I don't, don't take anything for it. But what I started doing was I'm only going to do the shit that I really like. And it happens to be that the shit that I really like, I get paid for. And it's meaningful to me. And it makes sense. Right. Then you put me in a, then you put me in a, a, a classroom setting talking about the campus ecology of things. And like, it's in one ear and out the other. Is that ADHD? I mean, I'm asking you, is, is that ADHD? Well, it, it's interesting because it doesn't interest you. And when it doesn't interest you, when, there, when there's no motivation in it, yeah, your ADHD kicks in and says, no, not paying attention, shutting it off. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. So I, you know, one, I guess the way that I, oh man, Kathy, did I suffer through so many of those things? Because I'm like, I wanted to like pull my eyes out and and my hair out. Cause I'm like, this is what life is going to be like, like mm-hmm. sitting in these boring ass meetings, talking about bullshit. And then I'd, I'd write down like what I was thinking. And like, someone would be like, that's brilliant. <laughs> like what you just wrote was brilliant. Can, uh, can you write something for me? And then I'd try to write something and I'm, I'd be like, no, I can't. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't even write like one letter for you, you know? And so I think whether I've had it or whether I haven't, I, th- I think I do have it. It was important for me to go after the things that were both helpful and lit me up mm-hmm. and were helpful for others. It benefited me and others right? Yeah. Um, it's not an either or an or, right? And not to get too skewed on this, but to like have that as a metaphor, the either or the or, it's the same thing with joy and anger. Mm-hmm. Joy is like, you are cool with where you're at. You're cool with who you are. You, you know that you're growing. You know that you're changing. You know that you're going to be a different person in a couple years. But also at the same time, you can be pissed off about what's going on with the treatment of a certain marginalized communities in the United States, right? And I think Gandhi did it best. Here's a guy who preached joy, but he was not putting up with the bullshit atrocities that were happening to India 
from the monarchy. And the guy in peace shows up to the monarchy, no shoes on, I think. He might have been in sandals, homespun clothes, and he drops those fuckers to their knees. And I think joy, people think joy is this sort of like, oh, we're all blissed out type of thing. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely not what joy is. Joy is that internal feeling that we have of just being at peace. And, and I felt that before. I felt it when I left my PhD program. Oh, yeah. I feel it talking to you. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm, in, I'm in flow with you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I can also be not upset or angry with you, but I could also agree to disagree with you. And that's still both of us being in joy. Yeah. Right? And I think, Mark, if I, if I could interrupt. <laughs> yeah. It's when I hear, I mean, what an amazing story. What a way to own it and say, you know what? I'm going to be the black sheep of the family and I'm going to do what I want to do. And, and I'm going to go into the band and I'm going to, okay, I'm going to try school and see what happens. But then coming full circle to say, no, who, who am I really and what lights me up? And you found what lit you up. And for me, what I hear from this is that level of, acceptance of yeah okay this is the way it is i am mark and this is my brain and these are the things that i'm passionate about and i won't be able to write a kick-ass talk for you but i can do it for myself and and talk about tapping into your true genius which is what i talk about with my clients often is whose mold are you trying to live by Uh uh-huh And that comparison of, well, others do it easier and others have it easier. And why can't I be like the rest of the, the, you know, staff in the team or the other business owners and just coming to yourself to say, this is how I drive. This is how I run my show. And I'm cool with that. I, I totally, I totally agree with you. I mean, for so long, I felt like, I was striving for someone else's dream to come true. Their expectations of me were my expectations. And actually, when I was in a band, I wrote about it. I, it was a song called What Went Wrong. And it was like, I, what, what, I, what I remember writing was like, am I at the point like where a boy becomes a man and maybe I have to like learn to love something uh, I have to put myself through a living hell before I learn to love, before I learn to love it. It's like, act like you like it and then you'll just like it, mm-hmm. you know, but I didn't like it at the beginning and I hate it even more now, you know, and so many times in, in, in my life that's, that showed up, you know, and now I, 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 I love this idea of agency and choice where you get to do things that you want to do and like man when i'm really unhappy i guess it's add because like i'll switch jobs like this like crazy i'll stop this i'll you know i'll i'll get my paycheck and blow it all in one like amazon night you know so like there are those sort of things that happen but also at the same time what grounds me is yeah i can i can show up when kathy tells me to show up do a kick-ass show with her just by focusing in on her because I like it. I like doing it. Mm -hmm. And in some way, in some weird 
fashion, someone could be listening to this episode right now and they could be saying, yeah, I'm pissed off, but yeah, I'm ignoring that joy in my life. Or I'm in joy and I didn't know how to engage in the in the dialogue with, you know, some of the social uh, issues going along. Mm-hmm. Well, you can totally engage in that enjoy, you know? And then when it gets uncomfortable, when it, when it feels like it's fringing up on your joy, walk away. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, there's a lot of different ways that we can, we can go by things. And I think, you know, I, I'm not going to go too far into things, but you're absolutely right. I, there's been these predetermined molds that, turn us into automatons that compare each, our, each other to other automatons. And instead of thinking about what's good and right for me, it's just like, who is the best at being in a, uh, who's best at being a prototype? Mm-hmm. Fuck that, man. Mm-hmm. Now I'm a pissed off positive psychologist, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, like, Mark, when it comes to entrepreneurship, because my yeah. audience is, is part entrepreneurs, part professionals. Okay. How have you been able to manage this, this world of entrepreneurship and contain your ideas and thoughts and creativity and hunker down yeah. and stay focused and not compare yourself to other positive psychologists, coaches, and, and others in the industry? What have, yeah. what have you seen that works for you? Uh, routine. <laughs> yeah, bad really word, well. bad word. But we lie, we have to have it. <laughs> routine, uh, structures. Look, look at this. Structures upon structures upon structures I have. I also have like, you know, a uh, squirrel. You know, when you go turn your head, whenever a dog turns their head, whenever a new shiny, cool idea comes up, I'll write it on a piece of, of a piece of, uh, post-it note and I'll put it in a jar. And then on Sundays when I'm watching football or whatever's on during COVID and I'm kind of relaxing, I'll take those things out and I'll look at them. And if they don't light me up, I'll throw them away. If it still lights me up, I'll keep it. And, you know, those things will be my future projects. They're in incubation, but like I do no more than three tasks a day. And it doesn't matter if it's a piece, if it's moving a piece of, uh, of salt or a giant, a giant like pillar of salt. It doesn't matter. Like just do three things a day. Yeah. Uh, my, my morning routine is, is, is sacred. It's uh, meditation in the morning, gratefulness practices, uh, a little walk. And that's one of the cool things about being an entrepreneur is you get to create your structure. Now, mm-hmm. When I, when I first became an entrepreneur, I did not think about that. I just thought about the freedom I had. I didn't have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning anymore. I didn't have to do this. I didn't have to go to bed at, at X time. And I had a, this haywire schedule. And in return, I had unpredictable income coming in. Mm-hmm. Yes. You start to, when you start to, I don't want to call it be mindful, but like when you start to do things that light you up and, and meditating does light me up, growing does light me up. It's easy to take out one. It's, it's easy for the ant to eat the elephant. Mm-hmm. 
uh, when I do it like that. And then I give myself plenty of room to play in between. You know, I, I think my business right now is at a, at a place where I feel like I'm grinding the least, but I'm having like the most fun. You know, I don't, I don't think I've, I mean, even when I lived in Atlanta, where, where my son lives, I don't think I was this cl- as close as I am. I'm in Florida now to him. He's calling me three times a day and we're making time for that. I'm in the middle of a launch right now. Um, and everyone's like, no, it needs to be all hands on deck. Fuck that. Let me get on and talk with Kathy, you know, you know, and, and what's, what's interesting is that like people are signing up mm-hmm. while I'm chill. And I think that there's a certain amount of energy you put out. Like Absolutely. if you're, fr- if you're frenetic and your, your shit's all over the place, well, people don't want to work with a person like that. You know, maybe if you're, you're honest and vulnerable, but you're also owning your power, you know, the creativity when it comes, it comes, but also at the same time, like when I don't feel creativity because it's in the structured nature of things now, I will create something from five to six. If it's creative time, Mm -hmm. I know I'll create something even if I don't feel creative. And so like that structure has really done a doozy for me. And uh, while I haven't been as good since COVID started, the like structuring my meals, all of that stuff, really looking at what I eat, all of that stuff really had me like buzzing. It was like, shh. I I was like flying through life. And I would say that it was the, 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 best point at in my entrepreneur life that I was operating with grace and ease and joy and still to this day like I I, that's the why that's why I wanted to become an entrepreneur is so I could have a morning to myself where not where I was sleeping in well if I need sleep I'll sleep in but like but where I'm doing something for my own self-improvement I'm not going to a bullshit meeting where nine of us argue what the statue outside of Woodruff Hall is going to be called. Yeah. Or in my case, be in a meeting where you don't want to be and then you walk out halfway through the meeting and everybody looks at you like, did she just walk out of a meeting? Oh, yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Those, you know? those were the tail ends of my professional career. <laughs> it was, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that I have it. I, I, I've got... If it's if it's not ADHD, I've got what you got. I, I've, I've I've got the uh, I've I've got the moxie because like well, I was, you know, it, it it's we're creative beings, and I think some of us just don't grow out of that. I I have a four year old, and when I watch her play and build, and make little things like I'm holding up a little sticky with a, a a stir stick with tape and stuff, like she creates things, and I'm just looking at her, and she's in flow at that moment. And I'm like, this is what it's supposed to be. But then as we are raised and as how Mark was saying at the beginning of this conversation is these beliefs and these rules that we're supposed to go by. You know, somebody the other day, and I I have to say it in this call, because I know Mark will have my back on this, said to me, why do you have gray hair? You have a little girl. You should color your hair so that it doesn't traumatize her that, you know, that her mother has gray hair and I'm like what? so it doesn't so it doesn't traumatize her what? that her mother yeah. has gray hair yeah like Amazing. apparently it's because like you know you need to have like I have full head of silver hair and I embraced yeah. this because I was like I'm done putting chemicals on my head 
Yeah. And then here we are trying to fit into this norm of, oh, I'm a mother with a young baby, so I need to look a certain way so she knows. Like, no, I'm setting the wrong standards for her. Embrace your natural self. Embrace who you are. That's what I want to raise, not, you know, to fit into something that she's going to try to figure out what the hell it is. I want this motherfucker to show me the study <laughs> in which children uh, had posts. <laughs> Uh, you know, a stress disorder because yeah. of the gray hair around them. But what about kids who've been raised by uh, grandparents? Are they traumatized Thank as well? You. Thank you. Know? you. <laughs> we'll have another podcast on this whole thing. They can... What really traumatizes people and what is really just society bullshit that we try to live up to, right? It, and it, I... The bullshit is high. The bullshit yeah. is high. And I think what's going on, and I'm going to go totally off because I get to own my ADHD today. <laughs> like, I'm going to go totally off. But I, I think that people are onto the bullshit now. Yeah. And especially, like, there's people who are, like, middle of the road who are reaching these higher levels of consciousness where it's like, yo, like, the news is not as accurate as it's saying. Like, there's other things going on in the world that are distracting us. And so if ever a time to understand what joy means, if ever a time to be discerning, if ever a time to think about reinvention and the fact that you may have been stuck in the machine your whole life, you can, you can escape it now. You can elevate your consciousness. Mm -hmm. And at, you know, and at the end of the day, like, you know, if, if someone sees something like ADHD as a deficit, well, I can tell you that statistically sound wise, that most artists have ADHD. Quarterbacks who had ADHD versus non versus quarterbacks who did not have ADHD played better or had better statistics. And they think it has to do with the fact that these quarterbacks with ADHD saw the field differently yes. and had more options. Yeah. It was like their playing field. It wasn't like the coach draws it up and I have to throw it to A. Mm -hmm. the, these are like field generals. They can see the whole field and they can see the weak point or they know this guy's coming up and so they, they can throw it to the eighth option. And you're telling me that ADHD is, 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 is somehow stigmatized? Mm -hmm. You know, um, not you. I'm talking to the virtual you, you know, yeah, people, yeah. people stigmatize it. So, and, and that's, that's just part of mental health in general. It's stigmatized, but a lot of times people don't see the actual gift that you have of seeing the world differently. Well, and I you think just, the majority sees and knows the very tiny, small definition of ADHD, which is it's a learning disability. Or it's for kids. Most people, that's as far as their education goes. For those of us who've studied it, who live it, who are in it, it's a lot bigger than that. And it is, it's just being different in a different way. Just kind of like if my eyes are brown and somebody else's eyes are blue, it's, it doesn't mean they have a deficit and I have a deficit. It's, yeah. it's unfortunately that. But one of the messages that I wanted to get across between the two of us in this, and, and especially having you on this call, was around the to the ADHDers who are out there fighting the good fight to mm. 
break down barriers and stigmas. I was there in the beginning of this journey going, I'm going to fight the good fight about this. I'm going to be at the top of the rooftop shouting and going, you know, fuck you all. We've got ADHD. We're proud of it. I mean, my uh, Instagram (laughs) handle is proudly ADHD for that reason. I am proud of it. But at the same time, when you combine it with joy, when you combine it with a bit of ease and, you know, the message can be that much more impactful when it doesn't come. And I, you said something in one of your talks, you said, anger is contagious. So mm-hmm. when you're talking from that place of resistance and anger, you get the other person all wound up too. But imagine yeah. if you blend the two together, like the way you talk about it. It's yeah. this beautiful alchemy of the two of them, the joy and anger doing this dance. So, so yeah, I needed to say that. <laughs> yeah. They all, you know, it's, I, I absolutely, I thought it was beautiful the way that you, you put it. And I also want to talk very quickly about the fact that I'm not a person who wants to go and put happiness as the number one emotion, and then all other emotions uh, are beneath it. That's bullshit. That's toxic positivity. And that's not something that I spit at all. That's the same thing as spiritual bypassing. Messages like, messages like only happiness here, that's, seriously, that's crazy talk. Mm-hmm. That's crazy talk. Tal Ben Shahar has, uh, in uh, one of his lectures, said, "If you're happy twenty four seven, you're one of two things: you're either dead or you're a sociopath." So our emotions, our anger, our our jealousy, those are things that are evolutionarily put there as little things that get our attention to say, like, "Hmm, you're angry at something." What? You, you know, like what could be the cause of this anger, mm-hmm. right? In the same way that when you put your hand on a hot stove, you feel pain, right? So like, if you're a person that's like no pain, like, and then you put your hand on a hot stove, you're going to realize the reason for pain was to get your hand off the damn stove. And so it's the same thing with these other emotions. And by the way, happiness is fleeting. It's just a bunch of chemicals that are released in the brain and then they go away. Joy is different. I, joy, I consider to be like on a vibrational level. Nice. It vibrates. And when you find somebody who's vibrating in joy, you can go into flow, ADHD or not. Mm-hmm. I'm pausing on purpose because that's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, that's good that's good my friend thank you for this as you can see here people we can get all excited up in here and just talk all day about this stuff because we're both passionate about this and you know once once that switch is turned on and you see a different perspective because all of this is perspective and how we look at things it's, it's what we make up and what we've learned. And the minute you tap into it, it's, it's almost like the matrix in a way where Neo starts to see the real deal. It's like, whoa, what's going on here? So this is our matrix, I guess. With that, Mark, any, anything that I forgot to ask you before we tell them how to get a hold of you and what you got cooking up for us? 
No, I, I just wanted to, to, to follow up with what you said with this idea of, of consciousness, right? Consciousness is equal to things like data. It's also equal to things like perspective. So ADHD, I consider just to be another perspective. It's another perspective. It's a gift that to have that perspective. You know, and and the fact that it's the, the fact that it's been turned into something related to being stupid or something like that. I fucking hate that. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate that. The most brilliant people are ADHDs, and the most brilliant people are non-ADHD too. So yeah, yeah, I agree. So Mark, how can they find you? What have you got cooking up? Yeah, uh, look for the Asian with red head, with red hair running around town. Oh, it's gone now. So just uh, you, you might want to go to joyrevolution.com. Actually, now is a really good time to j- go to joyrevolution.com. We've got some good stuff up there for you, but we are about to launch the Joy Revolution. This is the big three-month program. And essentially what we talk about is what does it mean to be remarkable, to start a revolution? So the first month, we're going to be looking at the joy rev from the standpoint of revelation. What is the internal revelations we're having about ourselves, about our identities, about these these masks we put on, and about joy? The second rev is the revolution. This is the upheaval of systems done in joy. And then the third part of the rev is the reverie, the the, the partying and the happiness in this new, in this new fresh air, in this new zone that we've created for ourselves from the revolution. I'm really excited about this one because we have not only great uh, teachings, but we are specifically focused on people who want to move their message to the world. Our coach, uh, our writing coach, is a gateless writing coach, which means if you ever heard of it, I had never heard of it, but I can't stop writing now. And I couldn't, remember, I couldn't finish a paper and now I can't stop writing. It's so positive, the feedback you get. She also, we're going to be writing chapters. Those chapters will all go into Joy Revolution book, a collective book. What else? Oh, you're going you're gonna to tell us about your revolution in a TEDx style talk. And if TEDx is still closed in areas because of COVID, I'm good. I have a show on, I have a show on in San Diego, a live radio show, and you're going to come on the show and you're going to declare your joy revolution TEDx style live on the air for a little under a million people to hear. So that is it. It's joy revolution. Sign up before the 21st. We only got 10 slot slots. Well, nine slots now. That's awesome, Mark. All of that sounds amazing. Yeah. And, and for my listeners, hey, you want a challenge? There it is. And it sounds awesome. And, and you've heard Mark's story and where he's been and what he's up to. So he, he practices what he preaches and, and I've seen him speak. And every time he speaks in these talks, he's just inspirational. So I am excited for whoever's going to join, Mark. That's awesome. Yeah, and fun. thank you so much, Mark, for, for this time with us and giving us different perspective and different way of looking at things. I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart, my friend. Oh, 
Love you too. Thank you. <laughs>